Yeah. Yes. Explosions, steak, good music. That's how you kick off a Father's Day Sunday. I, I really, yes. Yes, thank you. I agree, me and you. I'm telling you, I, I think that there's something that we need to get out in front. It's this. It, it tends to be our history that every time we get to a Father's Day, what we do is we, we got to go back. Every Mother's Day, when Mother's Day happens, we go, oh, you moms are the best. We love y'all. Then we get to Father's Day and we go, you fathers are a wreck. Y'all need to change your ways. Y'all, y'all with me? It, it ha- it's, it's happening today all around town. Um, I want you to know from the get-go, that is not what you're going to hear today. Um, what you're going to hear today is perhaps a story maybe for the first time in a different way. Because uh, today we're going to be in Luke chapter 15, verse, we're going to start in verse 11. But I want you to know this. Uh, as I was preparing for this sermon, I started thinking through, how do I get this text out there? How do you hear it in a way that maybe for the first time you would go, oh, I get it now. Uh, because I think there's always these aha moments in Scripture. They, they hit us. They're waiting for us. Uh, because Scripture's always alive. And when we read it and we don't catch the alive part, it's not that God's not doing His end. It's that in disobedience, we're not listening. I believe that God is always talking to you. The problem is you're not always wanting to listen. And so today, I hope you'll hear from God in a rich new way. And so to do that, here's what I want you to do. If you have never heard the story of the prodigal son before, I just want you to start reading Luke chapter 15. Because I'm about to make Scott Fool really mad because he has to make screens for me every week. And I'm so thankful for him. He is such a faithful friend and I love him. But I want you to hear this story today from a storyteller mode. Most of our scriptures, when they were passed from one person to the next, were talked about in a circle like this, and they were recited. So hear the story of the prodigal son. There was a man that had two sons. He had lots of land. And one day his youngest came to him and said, hey dad, I want my inheritance. I want the half of the land that belongs to me. And so the dad went and sold that portion and gave it to his son. Y'all may add into this point, oh no, right? But here's what happens. The young son runs off with his money. And he goes into town and he starts to spend it lavishly. He has friends that come alongside him and he spends it lavishly with them. But then something happens. It runs out. The son, embarrassed at this point, now goes back and starts working for a man who has pigs. And every day he's working, and one day he's just, he's watching the slop that the pigs are eating, and he goes, man, that looks good. And he has this shuddering moment, whoa, wait a second, what am I, what am I saying? My dad has servants at his home, and they all eat better than this. I will go back home and ask if I can just work for him the rest of my life. And so the son begins to return back to his father. And while he's away off, the father who is sitting and waiting sees his son far off and runs out to meet him. He throws his arms around him. And the son says, Dad, I've sinned against you. 
I've lost everything. If I could just be a servant. He says, go, servants, go get my son a robe. Go get him a ring for my son who is dead has now returned home. He turns to another servant and goes, hey, you know that best cattle I've got out there? Go and kill the fatted calf. Go kill that thing and let's have a feast. Go invite everybody. We're having a party because my son who was dead is now alive and he is home. And so they start this feast. And the older brother who has worked this land and been there with his father and didn't run off comes in and goes, what's going on? A servant says, hey, your brother's home. And so we're having a party. Aren't you excited? And the older brother goes, no, I'm not. Ask my dad to come out. And he does this number. Dad comes out and he goes, Dad, I, I've worked every day. And I have slaved at this job. Look at all that we've accomplished. And not once did you have this kind of feast for me. And the dad goes, yes, but listen, everything I have is yours. But your brother who was dead is now alive. Come celebrate. Now, all of my life, and maybe all of your life, we have had the wrong person as the central figure of this story. Because if you grew up like I did, you grew up believing that this son was, this story was all about a son that was lost and found. That is not what Jesus says. At the very first, if you look at it with me in Scripture, Jesus says this, a man had two sons. Who is the central figure of this parable? The man. Here's why. This is not a story about how bad the son is. This isn't even a story about how good the other brother was. This story is about a father who was good. And he shows up in this story and he changes the outcome of it completely. Because now let's rewind it to current day. There's a man who all of his life slaved and worked hard. And he accrued a lot of wealth. Who had two sons. One of his sons came in and said, Dad, I want you to liquidate half of your assets and give it to me. The dad went, <laughs> you're a fool. You're too young to know what to do with this money. I mean, what are you going to spend it on? I mean, I know what you're going to do. You're going to go to e-commerce. And you're going to go buy a bunch of young companies and hope they all make you money. No. Uh-uh. Come on, dad. Listen, if you don't, I'm going to sue you. This is current day, right? Dad's not like, fine. Liquidates half of his assets. Gives it to the son. The son goes out. He becomes a YouTuber, puts all of his money into cameras, backdrops, bringing in other YouTubers to get in the video with him so he makes money. Only problem is this, no one watches his channel. Two years in, he's got nothing. He's sitting there one day and he's, he's trying to figure out how to cook his crackers with cheese a little bit different on his George Foreman grill. And he says this, you know, my dad's co-workers, the guys in his company, they at least get to eat IHOB. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, 
I'm going to go back and see if I can just work for him. Walks in. Goes, hey, Dad. <laughs> Funny story. I've got nothing of all the money you gave me. So can I work for you? The dad goes, you're a terrible person with money. Why would I ever hire you? Forget it. Out walks that son, demoralized. In walks the other son that goes, <laughs> what a fool that guy is, right, dad? And he goes, who are you? End of story, modern day. See, the difference in this story is all about a man. And what he really shows is not just this man. This is a parable. What God's really trying to get is at the heart of what God's heartbeat is towards people. As a father, as somebody that leads children, leads households, you have a responsibility. Your responsibility is not to be the best dad you can be. That's, that's small. Your job is to imitate the heartbeat of God. We're to look like him in what we do. We're to act like he acts. It's a big task. I really believe that if we ever started a wedding ceremony like this, I have the couple up here and I go, hey, before we begin, man A, at this point, are you sure that you want to lead this woman spiritually in good seasons and bads? Are you sure that down the road, if you have children, that you will lead them spiritually in good seasons and bads? Will you be the pillar of what it looks like? Will you imitate the heartbeat of God so that your wife is made complete in her walk with God? What do you say? You know what they would say? What? Because we treat marriage small. What if before a couple decided to have children, you brought them in and said, okay, two things. Anybody can raise a kid. Anybody. You know how we know? Animals do it. Anybody can raise the next generation. Are you willing to pour into them spiritually to see them grow in the image of Jesus? And will you show them an image of God in your heart being in relationship to them? If so, have children. If not, don't. No one would have kids. We'd be like, well, that's too big. I mean, you're asking way too much of me. And I would tell you, you're absolutely right on your own. But you're not supposed to do it on your own. Because this story is about a man. And that man is God. So what does God show us about the attributes of this dad, about him, about how he wants dads to model after him? Here's the first thing. A real dad is generous. You may be like, what? <laughs> I give my kids money. That is not what generosity is. You can give your kids a dollar every day for the rest of their life. But what would matter more is giving them your time and your attention. I'm poor at this. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I... My kids can probably testify to this. There's times they're talking to me and I'm somewhere else. Y'all ever been there? Where your child is standing and talking to you and you're, you're thinking about something or you're watching the game on TV. And then I, I catch myself and I'll go, what? And I don't know if it's because my kids offer something strange in, in that conversation. Like, hey, Dad, I want to talk to you about today. 
this is what happened. And Joe, and I built a rocket. And I flew around the world three times. Dad, what? You ever been there? Being generous is not just a, a monetary movement. It's a complete giving away of yourself. It's a taking your life and saying other lives, other people's time, other people's value matters more than yours. Because Jesus, being in the full image of God, considered equality with God something not to be grasped, but emptied himself completely and took the very nature of a servant and became obedient to death on a cross. How can we get that, dads? We start to look like Jesus. We have to empty ourselves generously into the lives of our kids. Here's why. Someone is going to win the hearts of your children. Someone. It's either going to be a, a group of people that do the wrong things and act the wrong ways. It's going to be a relationship that goes the wrong direction. It's going to be something. But i got to tell you, I want my kids' hearts to be won by God. And if they're going to be won by God... I've got to help them find him in this season. Listen, if we really believe that when you invest into your children the nature of God and when they're old they won't depart from it, there is not an age limit in that verse. Which means this, parents that have kids that are in their 60s, you're not done. You're just not done. You still need to be investing. You still need to be loving. You still need to be caring. I believe there's a a real thing that happens that we let a rope out with our children the older they get. We teach them, we train them, we equip them, and and their lives begin to make bigger circles. But I want to tell you what doesn't happen. You let go. And listen, I'm new to this game. I'm going to have a 7th grader and a 6th grader next year. For those of y'all that have grown kids, isn't that right? You never let go of your children, do you? You love them till the end of time. You have a job, and your job is to point your kids to the northern direction of the heartbeat of God. Be generous in it. Drip with it. Here's why. They need it. They just need it. They need more than your dollars. They need your Jesus. Be generous. The next thing that God God shows us through the nature of this dad is, a real dad is full of, of compassion. He's full of compassion. In this story, it says as this young man is out and he's spending his money, we get that this dad is waiting. Almost as if his son was missing. You can almost feel it at some point that the dad knew there would be a day where the son would come back. He didn't know in what state. All we do know is this. The day the son was coming back, the dad was waiting, which means this. When, did you, when do you believe? Because this isn't in the scripture, and I, I can give you my opinion. When do you believe the dad started waiting on his son? Immediately. He saw him walking out, and he said, it begins. Day after day, waiting, watching. Day after day, praying, asking God to return this child. Day after day, having this heartbeat of compassion that said this, Listen, God, I'm for my child, and maybe there's some of you in this room today that are praying for a prodigal moment in the the life of your child. They may have gone down a road that you don't even, you, you feel like it's too far gone. 
You feel like they've just gone over the edge. It's, it's just too much. Hear from the heartbeat of God today that just says, keep praying, keep waiting, be full of compassion, because here's the answer. It's not going to be in your time, but God's got a time. Because what you've invested in your children doesn't return void. There is no zero at the end of that number. God is rich in mercy, rich in love, rich in compassion. You be the same. Love deeply. Pray earnestly. Because there will be a day, but listen to the heartbeat of God and do what he does. Keep waiting for God. He's going to show up. He always shows up. It doesn't always happen the way or time that we want, does it? Any of y'all that have waited for God to do something, know that there's times that you're like, mm, come on, God. I mean, okay, I'll wait till tomorrow if that's what you need. Tomorrow comes. <sighs> okay, God, whenever you're ready, I guess. And by the end of it, your prayer's like this. God, honestly, you probably just don't care. All along, God's going like this. I'm the dad on the porch you're the kid I'm waiting on you watch and see that God isn't full of compassion for you he loves his creation of all the creation that God did in the Bible the the seas the mountains the animals the way the sun and the moon and the stars are set all of that was good in Scripture But when he created man and woman, he said it was very good. You are his best creation. And because of that, he loves you. He loves your children so much. And I've had to learn this. God loves my two children more than I could ever love them. It's hard to get there, isn't it? I can remember when, when our daughter was born, and, and uh, they, they handed her to me. And then the nurse said, you're going to have to follow me to the nurse's station. I'm holding this little human in my hands. And immediately what strikes me is this. Who on the planet Earth gives people little people? It's insane. Then they send you home with them. You're looking at the nurse that's there, and you're like, you're not coming with us? Like, you're the only one that knows what happens if this goes wrong. What really got me, and maybe you had this moment, I'm so delicate with my firstborn, right? Like, I'm holding her, like, trying not to, like, I I was in in band growing up, and I learned how to do a march, like, not moving my shoulders, right? So, like, I'm doing that with my daughter, just in case she's more fragile than I think. I'm like, oh, okay. The nurse gets her from me. We get to the nurse's station. What do they do? Plop, you know, watching them up, plop. I'm like, oh, oh, what, what, why? Do you not like her? You know. And then when we had, when we had the boy, they they did the same thing. They handed him to me, and I'm like, I've been through this before, but they're still delicate. And I'm walking with him. Same thing, plop, plop, and they send us home. And in both cases, in those moments walking down the hall, you just kind of have that moment of. Can you love anything more? But here's the thing. As much love as I could have for those two, God loves them more. Desperately so. 
And listen, this is exactly the heartbeat that we have to have. Are we compassionately in love with the fact that God allows us to be a part of any part of the story he's writing? It's just, it marvels to me that God would ever use a guy like me, because I know me, to stand before you and even have any opportunity to breathe into you spiritually. Because I know my broken vessel. I know my jar of clay that I got, and it's got duct tape around it. But praise God, he is so compassionate on our behalf. God wants you to have a compassionate heart as a father. A real dad is loving and beyond the need of apology. And I I want you to capture this in the scripture. Because I I love this. I I think this is one of those moments. Uh, Look at verse 20 uh, in the scripture here. Uh, Luke 15, 20. He sees the son, and so he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father didn't even bat an eye, does he? Does he engage in that question, by the way? Does he even give it any validity? No. He immediately turns to his servants and goes, tell this boy who he is. Maybe you're the prodigal today. Maybe you've been running from God. And and maybe you feel like you've just gone too far. Maybe you feel like you've just done too many things that break the heart of God, and there's no way you can make it back. Let me just tell you what God thinks about you. If God loved you so much he sent Jesus, you have immense value to him. And because of that, when you show up to God and you give him your story, and you tell him how broken you are, how far you've gone, how he can't possibly love you, God won't even entertain it. Because he doesn't need your apology. He needs you. Listen, I believe this with all of my heart. There is nothing you could say to God today that would equal the blood of Jesus. Zero. You can't say, I'm sorry enough. Your sorry is not what God needs. He needs you completely. Just come home. He does all the rest. I believe that we think that for some reason we can give God anything of value. The son comes home and he's like, okay, I'm going to rehearse this, I'm going to rehearse this. I've sinned against you and um, against God, and I don't deserve to be your son. Never once was that ever an option for God in this story. So the father looks and he sees his son, and the son comes just wanting to be a servant. Maybe today you came just wanting to be a servant of God but you're to be called sons and daughters. You have value to God. He desperately loves you. And so today, as we look at this passage, a real dad is loving and doesn't need an apology. Your kids are gonna mess up. And listen, for those of y'all that have had grown kids, you've been through this. Your kids have slipped up, they've messed up. People have pointed fingers at them. Maybe even happened in the church. This happens a lot. People wanna tear down your kids. Heard this great story. Charles Stanley back in the day was raising his son, Andy Stanley, who's a pastor now. And Andy and his best friend, Louis Giglio, when they were in high school, escaped every day after, uh, after Sunday school 
and went to the Varsity, which is kind of like a, a burger, like an IHOP. Anyways, it's a burger place. And the reason they could go there is in the middle of the Varsity was a TV screen, and they would change the channel to First Baptist and watch his dad on the TV screen and eat a burger. This happened every week. Louie and Andy would scoot away right across the street to the varsity every single week. Well, Charles Stanley's secretary had a, a kid that was about Andy's age. And she came home one day and said, Mom, you know that the pastor's son goes to the varsity every day. And so she walked in on Monday morning, went into Charles Stanley's office, knocked on the door, and she turned her nose up. Well, hello, Dr. Stanley. And he said, well, hello. And she goes, I, I'm just here to inform you that your son and Louie escape every Sunday and go to the varsity instead of come to church. Charles Stanley could have said a million things in this moment. Instead, he stood up and he said, Lady, you raise your kid, I'll raise mine. And sat back down. How about that? I'd get fired. Um, uh, but here's the story, here's the truth behind it. Charles Stanley knew because he went to the varsity every week and he got to know the, the people that served there and worked there. And they told him every time, you know, your son and Louie come here every Sunday. And they changed the channel. We had to change it back to sports after they leave. And it dawned on Charles Stanley, you know why they changed the channel? Because they were listening. They wanted to have something to say to Charles when he said, what would you think about the service? Can you imagine that first car ride home after he found out? Hey, Andy, what would you think about the church service today? Dad, I loved it. Hmm. Why don't you tell me something about the sermon? Oh, well, you preached on this. and I liked this point. Oh, that's good, buddy. I'm just going to ask you every week what you think about the sermon. Is that okay with you? Yeah, Dad, it's great. All along knowing in his heart. My son's at the varsity, eating a burger with his buddy, watching me on television. Here's the thing. Who is raising your children? Who's raising your children? I'm going to raise my kids. I'm going to point them to Jesus. And when they mess up, we'll have to deal with it. But I want to tell you something. I'm trying to train my heart to be ready to not need an apology, to love them. And listen, they're preacher's kids, which means this. My kids are always in a glass bowl. It's, it's just the nature of it. I grew up in a preacher's house. I get it. When I messed up, it was like, I thought I was going to be in the church bulletin the next week. Preacher's kid does this, like the inquirer section of the bulletin, right? I, I remember feeling that. Like I couldn't take a mix like a misstep, because if I did, I had like every deacon in the church going, well, you know, that's how preacher's kids act. And I was like, I was with your kid. Um, <laughs> but can I just tell you, never once in my life did my dad call me down in front of the church and ridicule me or point me out. I was often a, a point of a sermon illustration, but never a point of ridicule from a sermon illustration. Your kids don't need to be your illustrations either. I, I've got good kids. I love them. They, they make me proud. That's because they got a good mama. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
Praise the Lord. Um, but we get to be loving, compassionate. And here's the next thing. A real dad celebrates worthy things. Celebrates worthy things. So here's the challenge to you. If there were no trophies at your house, would your kids feel celebrated? If there were no more ribbons to give out, certificates to get from school, artwork that gets a gold star, would your kids know that you celebrate them? Because I believe that there should be things that are celebrated that we don't ever talk about. When your kid comes to know Jesus, that should be the greatest and biggest celebration they've ever seen. We make their birthdays more than their spiritual birthdays. That's a frailty of mine. I'm preaching to myself there. Can you imagine if we shifted that? If their date of birth, which we all have in common, we were born, was a secondary thing to your spiritual birthday, that's when we gathered their friends in. That's when we had a cake. That's when we said, hey, FYI, I just wanted you to know <laughs> their birthday's in that month. We just kind of high-five them on that day. Congratulations, you were born. You did nothing for that. Um, you get no cake for that. But the day you gave your heart to Christ, we're going to party. We're going to do something revolutionary. What if that's what it looked like in our households? If we started celebrating worthy things rather than things that fade. <laughs> My son, for forever, I, I've had these trophies back when I was little that I got for things like basketball, you know, uh, little race cars we built in RAs, and he's had them in his room. And, and he's had them on a shelf, and, and I don't care for them. Like, I don't go in there and pick up that basketball trophy and go, yeah, you did. Look at you. You were in third grade and you nailed it. I, I just don't do that. So the other day we moved his room around, and he was setting out his trophies. And we're like, eh. I was like, why don't you take all my trophies down? He was like, well, I, I like them. And I'm like, yeah, but you didn't earn them. I, I don't feel like I really earned them, you know. Let's, let's take them down. So we, we put them all in a box. I, we might have thrown them away. I don't know. Um, but here's my thinking. In my office, in my, in my office there, I've got a senior ring that I no longer wear. You remember when you got your senior ring? I can remember it because I'd walk around and be like, what's up, y'all? <laughs> your friends would be like, oh, check out your senior ring, man. And uh, the senior ring I have, I didn't even graduate from that school. I got it my junior year, and then we moved. So I had a senior ring that no one else in my school had, so I wore it like every day. I was like, hey, check me out. I'm a roughneck, y'all. And they're like, you're a roughneck? That's what my crazy uncle is. So I was like, oh, well. But I'm not a Bronco. Anyways, um, I, I don't, it's just sitting in there. I don't even put it on anymore. You'd think that we'd all wear them, right? Because our parents spent extravagant money on a ring that lasted like a year. I, I have a best friend that had a senior ring. He got it one day, gave it to his girlfriend the next. She took the string and wrapped it around it and lost it. $400. I was like, <laughs> your parents are going to kill you. Um, but they got married, so I guess that worked out. Anyways, but I just, I have to think that we value the wrong things. We celebrate things that are so short-sighted. The boy and his team won their baseball season a few years back. We threw a big party out there. None of them remember it. 
They're like, and? We spent money on that thing. You know, Gatorades, extra snacks. We even popped poppers. It was awesome. Gone. Worthy things last beyond a day. And those are the things that must be poured into our children. Because we live in a day where everybody gets a trophy. So nothing is worthy anymore. Nothing. Pour into the worthy things. Here's the last. A real dad leaves nothing behind. And I, I want to preface this. A real dad leaves nothing behind, but that doesn't mean you don't leave anything to your kids. In fact, Scripture says a loving father leaves an inheritance for his children. Imagine that for a second. But here's what you're to do. You're to leave no energy behind, no day left, no hours on the table. Ensure that your kids get more face time than TV time. Make sure your children get more conversation from your mouth than they do from Facebook. We live in a day where everything is mobile, where everything's on a small screen or a big screen. There's a time where if it's not working in your household, you need to smash some screens. You know why? Because our time with our kids goes by like that. Those two kids I carried down those halls in Lubbock as we had them are sitting on the front pew today, and they're growing faster than I can keep them. I keep putting bricks on their head. They just keep breaking them. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Your kids are grown, and you're wondering, where did the time go? So it's no longer an opportunity to say, well, it's past. Today is your day. Today is your day to pull your kids closer as a dad and say, our family's going to be different. We're going to spend more time together. If there's something in your heart that I see is not echoing the heart of Christ, we're going to kill it away from your life. Sometimes the most loving thing you can do for your children is break them up with their boyfriend or girlfriend. I'm going to drop the mic on that one and step back because they may be missing the heartbeat of God. Maybe the most spiritual thing you can do for your kids today is take away their phone and make them take a nap. Maybe one of the things you need to do today is teach your children a love for Scripture by reading it with them. Praying with them. Letting them hear you pray may be the thing that teaches them to pray. Lest we forget that Jesus had to teach the disciples. And let's not forget how he starts it. Our Father. Jesus always wanted us to echo the heart of the Father. Because it's needed. You are needed. So use the gift that God's given you and reach out and touch the lives of people and especially the little people in your world, maybe the grown people in your world. But whatever it is, don't stop today. Maybe today is your day to start. Maybe today is your day to go. And be the kind of father that God has always called your heart to be. So here's what I want to do. We always have a time of invitation. During that time, we come down here and there's usually three of us. And you come and pray with us. Here's what I'm going to ask today. And I want you to hear this. My freedom ministry folks, uh, we've got a great ministry in our church that's about to relaunch soon. They're going to be in the back of the room. I'm going to ask you guys that are in freedom ministry to go back there and be ready for our people. So they're going to start moving. You're going to start seeing them. Don't worry. They're going to be heading to the back. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you need prayer today, 
I'm going to ask that you go to the back of the room and find one of these people. And they're going to pray with you. They're going to be there for you. There is, I believe this, there is no judgment when you ask people to pray. We are going to pray that God would speak over what's happening in your world. So you're going to see them back there. They're going to be there for you. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask that you pray over your families. Maybe today you would bring your family down and you would just have them get around and you would pray over them. That's what I'm going to do here in a minute. I'm going to pray over my wife and children. And then I'm going to ask you to do this. Those of you on the flip side, when dad gets done praying for you, I want you to flip it over and pray for dad. Pray for him to be at the heartbeat of who God is. Pray for your children. Pray for your spouses. Pray for the kids in our church that need a father. And there's many of them. Pray that God would win your heart to go reach that next generation and to be alongside them. We have a generation that needs a dad. And you need to be that dad. So in this moment, I'm going to start to pray. Our praise team's going to come up. You're going to hear them. Our freedom ministry is going to be praying in the back that you would be bold enough to go back. Maybe today you need to know Jesus. And, and at the very heart you, say, I want to be the kind of dad God calls me to be, but I don't know him. I want to be the kind of mom. I want to be the kind of woman or man or girl or boy that God's called me to be. Go right back there and find one of these people. Tell them you want Jesus in your life. They'll pray with you. They'll point you in the direction you need to go in your faith and your heart. Are you ready? Before we end, I, I want to tell you what happens every Sunday morning. I pray for you. I pray for you. I walk up and down the aisles and I, I put a hand on every pew. Then I walk around and I pray over the walls. And today I walked around and prayed around the sanctuary. And God spoke over me something that's different. God's starting a new thing. God is starting a new thing, and I cannot wait to see what that is. And I believe it's you. I believe that God is going to bring out a crop and dry land in your heart that you've prayed for for a season. And today it's going to start. It's going to sprout today. Are you ready for that? I'm ready for that. In a dry and weary soil that we've seen in our world, God is bringing rain in our hearts. And we're about to see a season of growth in our lives. So let's pray for that. Let me pray over you and then we will move. Father in heaven, God, I pray for these next few moments. God, that you would breathe in what you've spoken. God, that because you're a good father, you speak of our lives. Lord, you change our hearts. You change the outcome of our days. God, we know and believe, Lord, that you sent Jesus to die for the sins of the world. God, you sent Jesus that he would cover with his blood, Lord, the the times that we have done things the incorrect way and have not looked like Jesus. So today, Lord, we pray over our families. Pray over the men in this room, God, that we would start to echo the heartbeat of Christ. That we would begin to look like this father in this prodigal story. We'd be faithful, compassionate, loving, generous. God, that we wouldn't seek an apology, but God, we would go and we would love and we would do so because you've poured the same thing into us. You are the example. You are the way. So God, thank you for showing it to us. God, we pray that you would start that work in us. Bring something new now into our lives. Lord, we pray this in the holy and precious and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.